Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Evan Kramer, the CEO of Motion Point, who specialise in translation and localization. So this week we're talking website translation and transcreation. Thanks for downloading. Now, when you move into different markets and your website needs translating, things can start to get complicated, can't it? And to be honest, you need to be talking to someone who really knows what they're doing. So this week, we're talking website translation with Evan Kramer, the CEO of Motion Point, who specialise in translation and localization of websites and digital content. Uh, is translating your website word for word good enough? Uh, what is transcreation? What about SEO and all the technicals? All these questions answered. I learned a lot this week, I can tell you. You can find Evan on LinkedIn and Twitter. Find Motion Point on their website and Facebook. There's a whole bunch of links in the show notes, so give them a quick tap. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is ad-free? Lovely if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media and subscribe via your favourite podcast app. You can find more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Evan was where we tend to go wrong when we translate a website. The challenge with website translation is thinking about, first of all, what are your objectives? And I don't think a lot of companies really understand those objectives when they, it sounds really simple, right? And those objectives could be, are you trying to get more customers? Are you trying, just because you're in a market or you need to support uh, a domestic um, language doesn't necessarily mean you need translation. There's other ways to do it. And so what what is your objective is, is definitely one area where a lot tend to go, um, wrong. But but in terms of once that decision is made, I think that there's a little bit, especially when it comes to websites, a misunderstanding of how complex it is. Yeah. Uh, we, we offer, my company offers what's called a proxy-based website solution. So we host, you know, imagine you have a website, we, yeah. we literally mirror that website um, and host it and so we take over monitoring when when content changes and, and we get right. it updated, we get it to the linguist versus some companies will do it on their own content management system and use APIs and connectors to kind of get the content back and forth to the linguist. And so when we talk about where, where they go wrong is understanding the real total cost of ownership. Um, you know, in any managed outsource service, you know, if you don't really know what you're doing to have it in house, it, it, be, it can become more expensive and, and your quality could suffer. And so one example is in a website, there, there's a lot of different types of front end frameworks yeah. today, right? If you yeah. have a, um, you know, a WordPress site, or if you have a, a Sitecore site, uh, whether you're using JavaScript or JSON, the content is not as easy to detect as it was just in pure HTML 20 sure. years ago. Sure. And so you may only crawl a site and detect 90% or 80% of the content. And so where people go wrong is just understanding it's not as simple as, oh, I've got stuff visually on my site that I need to translate. Accessing that content to get it translated is where people um, tend, tend to um, have some errors. Yeah. So you're kind of like storing a a separate copy of somebody's website in every single language they want, is that? So is it a different copy Every, for each yes. language sort of thing? 
different copy for each language and we're and we're continuously monitoring the origin site for whenever they're making changes to that site so that we can trigger and pull that those the delta of those changes and get them directly to the linguist and then the client wakes up the next morning and everything's translated on their site that's cool yeah yeah so what's the difference between translation and transcreation yeah so translation is the literal translation of uh, segments and words from one language, uh, what they call it a language pair, from one language to another. Yeah. Transcreation is is taking the the language uh, of the the originating uh, language and translating it into the localized language in a localized version of it. So, for example, if I said, you know, how are you doing today uh, in English? You might translate, how are you doing today exactly in Spanish? Yeah. But from a transcreation perspective, how are you doing today might say good morning yeah. in Spanish, right? Yeah. And so yeah. that's transcreation is taking the the segment and identifying a localized version of that, of those terms. And and is this kind of like what a proper linguist would do? Somebody, I mean, presumably you've got humans translating things, Yeah. Well, I mean, 2023, there's been a lot of change. I mean, that that's yeah. the, the fun part of the, we can talk about that yeah. uh, and where the innovation is. But but yeah, that is the job of a linguist. Uh, a linguist, uh, there's different levels of quality. You can have a linguist just, you know, translate and that's it. You can yeah. have translate and post review and post edit where there's a second linguist that actually will review it and double check. And then there is the transcreation service, which is a higher level premium service uh, based on what we exactly said. So, so there's different sort of levels of quality of translation you can pay for. Yeah, because I'm thinking there's, there's, when we translate things, we don't necessarily always translate things literally, do we? I always remember the, the thing about there used to be a car in the UK. I don't know whether they had it in the US called a Ford Cortina. Right, and this this yeah. Ford Cortina is like back in the seventies. It was a right beaten up old thing, and 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 Cortina in Spanish is curtains. So if you had that car in Spain, you'd be driving a Ford curtains. Right, and the same thing. Uh, the the Chevy Nova, right, right. In, in 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 Spanish is Nova is, is doesn't go, right. right. So <laughs> you're you're buying a car that doesn't go. Yeah. So 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 do so, so do you does a translator look at that type of thing? Uh, not not uh, not if you're doing translation. Only if you're doing right. transcreation. Um, right. But but brand terms typically aren't translated, right? So there's certain terms. Um, you know, if you had a Chevy Nova, um, it, the the brand wouldn't be translated. Right. Gotcha. We have a lot of customers that are global um, uh, retailers, and you know, if you're selling Nike or Adidas and those types of things, uh, the products names are are not translated. Right, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Is website localization something completely different? Uh, website localization, I guess it, it, it kind of can mean uh, a few different things. I mean, website localization is, there's a spectrum of localization. Mm -hmm. So the spectrum is localization could be as simple as just translation. Yeah. But we also have tools that enable our customers to localize a specific market for it could be for certain terms, but more so it's for 
either different merchandise that's sold in that market or different pricing or um, different types of content that they, you know, they may want to include an article that's very particular to that market, but not pertinent to another geography or they're selling, you know, swimsuits because it's Australia, but they're not going to, you know, put those swimsuits on the Antarctica site. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this is, there's a spectrum of localization and in our tools and our platform enable the customer to have the flexibility or the brand to have the flexibility as to what they, how much, how much they want to localize. Yeah. So presumably you, you, you could have an Australian website with the swimsuits and a, and a good old English website with a, I don't know, a raincoat and an umbrella. That's right. And what's interesting is that, um, you know, what's kind of moving into innovation a little bit and where AI is going, you know, we, we've had customers, you know, 10 years ago that would, you know, use different, and they're still doing, a lot of them are still doing it today where they hire models to, you know, to have the, the sweaters and mm. that model, let's say is Asian because you're in the, the Japanese market. And then you have to have a, a UK model because you're in the UK market, but you can use AI today to start, you know, creating those. Yeah. Uh, images without you know, paying to have a person, you know, try on those clothes. Yeah. So the translation, in a way, is not just rela- it's not just uh, text, is it? it talking- no, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I we have a large portion of our um, translation is images. You know, there's videos right. and subtitling. Sure. Uh, you know, YouTube just launched a big change for YouTube, uh, which is the largest. You know video search engine in the world uh, allowed uh, dubbing um, and and subtitle creation through their editor. And so now you've got these YouTubers that are making millions of dollars or are able to make even more money by, you know, basically translating what they're doing and getting a larger audience. So there's a lot more demand getting created for, you know, translation yeah. through that, through those types of things. Uh, you mentioned AI. Uh, you can't really move an inch without without hearing something about it can you at the moment um how good are or how bad are ai translation tools yeah so there's two type when we talk about ai uh everyone thinks about chat gpt and where, yeah. where that is um so in the translation world you know we deal with two different types of models uh one is uh ai uh or sorry the the ai uh predictive modeling. Yeah. And then the other is called neural machine translation. Uh, neural machine translation is um, sort of a, uh, a large language model uh, that takes a lot of data and interprets that data to, you know, create a result. Whereas AI is, is more of a predictive model. It's, it's okay, I'm going to learn a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that's out there. I'm going to predict sort of the next word or how the next word is said. So it's, it's different. Yeah. methodologies, but they're two separate technologies. The neural machine translation is what Google Translate is, right? So Google sure. Translate is built off of neural machine translation. Um, AI, the predictive modeling, is what ChatGPT is yeah. built off of. And so the context of that is right now, if you were to compare the quality of Google Translate to the quality of ChatGPT, ChatGPT is not, in some cases, is worse quality, in some cases, a little bit better quality. But ChatGPT hasn't revolutionized quality of translation 
relative to where we've already been for the last seven years with, with Google Translate and, and NMT. So where, where it's really going is in a few areas. One is, is using the neural machine translation and training those models to be more um, brand adapted. So if you are, you know, uh, a large, you know, international brand and uh, you have content and products uh, in a certain way and you keep feeding the model with more and more of that content, then the quality is going to get better and better over time as it translates. And so that's really where the innovation is going is to be able to continue to increase the quality spectrum of the output. And until you get to a point where you can now say to the to the, the linguist, okay, we'll only now have to translate 30% of it, or you only have to edit 10% of it. So instead of paying 20 cents a word, you know, out of the gate and sending yeah. it directly to the linguist, maybe you only pay two cents a word because it's 80% translated by the time you get it to the linguist. Yeah, yeah. And then some of the other words are so, are good enough quality that you don't need to send it to a linguist. So I think what's happening is that the, the technology is enabling better quality um, that gives that creates cost efficiencies for uh, brands, but also allows them to do more translation. Right. So the, hmm. the scope of their sites and the scope of what they're doing, um, they can expand because they have more budget. And then also the, on the on the other side, companies that weren't able to do translation because it was cost ineffective can now get in and, and do it. But the the disruption of AI to just replace translation altogether is just not there and won't be there for a while. It's helping to improve the quality. Yeah. D does the Google translation style of translating, does that take into account what, what we talked about with this transcreation? So does it take a, about like local language and local phrases and things? No, that, that would just be the, tra it's pure translation. Right. So if you wanted to, uh, there's no... AI transcreation tool. In fact, that's where AI might come in is to say, yeah, well, yeah. how would you say this better in, in Spanish? So you still really got to send it to somebody at the end of the day, because the very, the, the very notion that you're getting something translated is the fact that you don't speak the language, right? Correct. And so you don't really know the, the mm. quality of yeah. it. But the transcreation part, I think, is where AI will improve. But but here's here's the catch, right? Mm. So you take one problem and then you trade off for another problem. So your, your translation uh, costs could go down because the machine or the AI could do a lot more of the work than the, than the linguist would have to do in the future. Sure. But where the catch-22 comes is the fact that once you get that output, how do you trust the machine? How do you trust the AI? So how do you know what the quality is? So in today's world, or let's say two years ago, a linguist would be able to say, okay, I translated this and then have a linguist sitting next to them mm -hmm. to verify it. If you put everything through AI, um, how do you trust the quality is, is there, right? There's something called, yeah, yeah. you know, hallucinations that, that AI do and, and sometimes it can be completely wrong. Yeah. So I think there's a lot more technology investment in my industry around quality estimation so that I can go back to a customer and say, all right, that's a four out of 10, or that's an eight out of 10, or yeah, that's yeah, completely yeah. wrong. And so yeah. it, it will help make determinations for that customer of when to do editing and when to do, uh, when to bring a linguist in. Yeah, because if if you get generative AI to like create an image, you can say, well, that image 
is crap. It's rubbish. It looks horrible. Right. If, if you can get it to generate some text in your own language, you can say, well, that makes not that's nonsense. But then if I created yeah. something in Spanish, my Spanish is hopeless. So I wouldn't have a clue. Right. So you, you where's yeah. you have to understand what how much do you trust the machine? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and and that's I think the, the, the quality and the review processes is where a lot more technology and, and innovation is going to happen. Um, because, and that's just not in translation, but I think across the board, you know, whatever AI is, is disrupting or making more efficient, ultimately there needs to be quality control over the outputs. Yeah. And so I think that's where you're going to see a lot of, um, startups and innovation occurring. Yeah. Um, on the kind of like the SEO side, I suppose, the technical side, the, I don't know, the, right. the website side of things, what what things do we have to kind of think about when we're creating multilingual websites? Because as you said at the beginning, we're kind of creating multiple versions of our website. Is Google okay with that nowadays? Yeah, so it, it's about how you tag the site so that when, when you index it, uh, Google understands that these are to support uh, localization experiences and not duplicate content, just translated. So that that we we handle that. Um, we also handle URL translation, uh, right. metadata translation, um, and then we work with our customers to identify what their top keywords are, so that we are uh, putting uh, extra proof and controls on that. The additional parts are around uh, site navigation, and and so we have you know a product called Easy Link that will enable uh, the, the user to, um, if they're not automatically prompted into a localization experience, better get to that localization experience. Um, Google in 2023 cares a lot more about things that weren't as important in, in 2003, hmm, right? True. So in 2003 yeah, yeah. with Google, it was about keywords and it yeah. was about URLs and it was about metadata. Today, it's about user experience. And, and user experience means bounce rates, time on site, navigation, quality of content, mm. authoritative content. And so that's really where we, we focus our help is understanding that that localization experience needs to mimic the quality of the origin experience, right? Is the time on site, is the bounce rates, is the quality and authority the same? Uh, that's, that's where I think we, we went. Yeah, I'd, I'd got sort of like alt text and meta meta descriptions and title tags and things written down. I hadn't thought of the URL translating the URL. It makes sense, doesn't it, when you think about it? Yeah, the, the URL translation is important and, and the URL structure as well. Are you using subdomains, subdirectories? Um, you know, so we, we can do whatever the client's SEO strategy is. Yeah, and and I suppose when you talk about a better experience for folks, a better translation will lead in, to a better better experience. Full stop. Right, and that's why um, you see we have uh, several luxury brands that are clients, right, and they're still, you know, feel that the human translation is important because of those particular areas, right? The the brand quality, the SEO, um, you know, the, just shortcutting it right now is is probably not worth the return on investment. Um, one other quick thing about, about SEO side of things. Um, th there's always been the debate over kind of like subdomains versus slash, I don't know, ES or something or slash FR for France or something. Where you've, you, you Maybe your, your domain, you have an fr.domainname.com for France, 
right? Or, right. or you have like a domain name dot com slash fr, or you have domain name dot fr. What, is there any difference? You know, I think there's a lot of differing opinions on this. Mm. Um, I think as long as long as you can tell Google exactly what you've done and why, it, it probably doesn't really matter. You know, I, I prefer to have uh, subdirectories as opposed to subdomains. Subdirectory right. is the backslash, you know, DE for Germany yeah. or instead of the DE dot URL. Yeah. Um, because of the subdomains, it if you don't tell Google carefully could be treated as completely separate sites. Yeah. Um, and as opposed to, you always know that the subdirectory is all part of a single network and a single site, but as long as you group them together within the site map, the navigation, um, I'm not sure that you're going to get penalized one way or the other. Sure. Um, but there also needs to be, canonicalization with those URLs, right? So if yeah, you're, yeah. if you have a backslash, um, and one without a backslash or, uh, uh, one with a triple dub and not a triple dub, right. That that's where you need to, um, watch out. Yeah. And I think it's, it's getting more difficult in some countries to buy the dot country, um, domain name, is it? It's sometimes you actually need a physical presence uh, within that country, don't you? I think it was with .eu, um, you, you do, because I'm in the UK and I don't think I can get by one of those. Yeah. And, and, and also you need to think about um, the localization of the servers and the hosting. Right. So, um, you know, Google even cares about that. They'll detect where the IP address is and yeah, yeah. what country it's coming from and and those types of things. So are you kind of like throwing websites into, so a French website will be in France and a Spanish one in Spain. Is it is it like that or is it just like on a regional basis? Uh, we, we don't do that except for some specific clients, but right. um, uh, there there the, there are only reasons we would do it a little bit more ha would have to do with performance, right? Because if sure. you're yeah. hosting it in, you know, thousands of miles away, yeah. there could yeah. be latency relative to a more local environment. Yeah. There's a lot more to it than you think, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, there is. And then we've only talked about websites. When you talk about web translation, you've yeah, got, yeah, yeah. you know, what do you do with emails and chat yeah, and yeah. all the other social media and all the all the content you've got to churn out. Yeah, yeah. we we live in an omnichannel world of you yeah, know communicating yeah. with customers in many different ways, and yeah. the web is just one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Evan, I could chat chat for a while on this. It's interesting. Um, where can we find you? Where can we find MotionPoint.com, uh, www.MotionPoint.com is, is where you can find us. Cool. Fantastic. Uh, Evan, thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks to Evan for his time. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.